0: Although I'm Andrew, and I am an elder here. For those of you who aren't uh, familiar with our congregation, welcome. Just going to jump right into this uh, strategic shift from an orphan spirit to the spirit, the spirit of adoption. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting choked up just thinking about the message. So, yeah. <clears throat> see if we can get through this. Well, what is an orphan spirit? You need a little definition before we can go very far with this. I would say the simplest way to define an orphan spirit, it's a sneaking suspicion that you are rejected. It's a sneaking suspicion that you are rejected, and I'll expand this in a moment I use the word orphan because it's a pretty well-documented experience of many people who have grown up or started out life as orphans to feel abandoned, to feel rejected, to feel really no better than last week's trash for having been uh, thrown away by their biological parents, and, uh, and, and rightly so, that that feeling uh, might be there. Uh, I use the word spirit to kind of get at that intangible feeling feeling that continues to haunt a lot of orphans uh, all their lives even when many of those orphans have been adopted into loving families with loving parents sometimes that feeling of being abandoned rejected uh, or thrown away that feeling continues at times and, uh, and 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 for some that ends up coloring everything uh, every significant relationship is is tainted with sort of a fear of ongoing rejection Um, uh, Every significant relationship There's this little hint of suspicion that in there that eventually sometime in the future rejection is Going to happen. It's just inevitable And uh, and sometimes those with this kind of view of life will even preemptively uh, reject other people or uh, sort of undermine any kind of significant bonding with other people uh, because they are um, uh, afraid of future rejection. So, and you know, some of you might be asking a question, well, that, that's nice, but how, how does this apply to you? Uh, some of you in this room, I, I know, did start off life as orphans, but most of you didn't. And so, so why would I be sharing this message with the whole congregation? And, you know, it's, it's because many of us, including myself, need to hear this message because many of us, even if we weren't actual orphans, go through life with the mentality of an orphan. And, uh, um, and so, so sometimes, like the orphan who never quite feels secure in his or her adoptive parents' uh, love, many of us go through life with that same sort of gnawing sense of insecurity and, uh, and suspicion of the rejection of others. Um, uh, to broaden this out a little bit. It's sort of this belief that I am rejected and I'm rejectable. I'm rejected and I'm rejectable. I inevitably will be rejected by others. you've been rejected or felt rejected enough times by other people, you end up just sort of believing that's... That's just what's going to happen in any and all relationships. And even... For some, to the point of, of of believing I deserve to be rejected. Now, this impacts some people just a little bit. It just colors a few experiences. Other people, it kind of overwhelms their whole <clears throat> their whole life, their whole approach to life. Well, however, whatever and whatever amount you've been affected affected by this, this fear of rejection is enormously, enormously power powerful. This fear. Rejection can make you do things that you know are completely irrational that you know are are even wrong But when you're fighting the fear of rejection in your your brain will justify any action even if it really hurts other people Uh, Even if it even if it goes directly against God you'll justify it in your mind just to avoid the pain of feeling rejected And, you know, there's lots of sources for this. Um, If you weren't an orphan and you're like, yeah, I do kind of feel that way, but you don't know where it comes from, uh, lots of sources. Some of you were abandoned, maybe not by both parents, you weren't a legal orphan, but maybe a parent left home um, at some point when you were younger, and you feel abandoned from that. Uh, Some of you maybe are sort of emotional orphans, and what I mean by that is you had both your parents living, you were present with them, but there was sort of... um, a sense in which you you felt emotionally abandoned by them. Maybe they weren't very attentive or loving or uh, compassionate, or, or maybe they were somewhat neglectful. So th- that's enough to give you that sort of feeling of being an orphan. If you grew up as a as a child of divorce, um, you might have the same feelings an orphan has um, because you know that even it's not even if it's not 100% rational, the thought goes through your head. Well, if I wasn't worth my parents. Staying together, then I must not really be worth, you know, anything. Um, I'm, I'm worth to be uh, worth worthy to be thrown out. Um, so that that's enough to give you this sort of orphan mentality. And you know, some some have this experience simply from several different. Some have this feeling just from several different experiences of rejection in their life. I know for me, my, my parents were quite loving, and I, I always felt very secure in their love for me. But I, you know, I had a, a twin brother against whom I was always compared and always fell short. And, you know, that, that had gave me some of those feelings of rejection that I, I, uh, I struggled with. So even one single big rejection event can be enough to really, um, to really feel like you're a subject to this orphan mentality or this orphan spirit. And so as a result, there's this deep down suspicion that you are rejected or are going to be rejected. And uh, some of you might still be asking, well, yeah, I, I don't know if any of that fits me. Um, how, how do I know I'm influenced by the orphan spirit? Well, I, I'm going to throw out some questions for you, and I want you to just uh, think about these questions. I don't want you to brush over this too quickly. Um, I've been kind of surprised in the last few years as the Spirit of God has revealed to me just how deeply influenced I've been by this Orphan spirit so so I don't want you to, to, to brush this aside too quickly. So how do I know I'm being influenced? Well number one, do you? Um, do you ever feel? sort of a gnawing sense of insecurity in various relationships and You know whether or not there's actual evidence of being rejected by other people. Do you ever just? Kind of feel insecure in your relationship any 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 uh, any of your various relationships with with other people just that gnawing sense of insecurity That might be an indication that that orphan spirit is is at work there um, Do you ever feel it is only a matter of time? Before i'm rejected. It's just a matter of time. It's going to happen Inevitably and anyone I draw close to just like it's always happened before it's gonna happen Okay that, that, if you ever have that, that feeling, do you ever feel a need to protect yourself as you get closer to people? You start, you start getting closer to people, and even, not, even against your rational thought, you just this visceral feeling like, I've got to protect myself as I get closer, because it's danger, danger. The closer you get to people, the greater danger there is. you ever have that, that feeling? Do you ever have a basic instinct... To flee from relationships, especially close relationships. And I say a basic instinct because it's often not even rational. The other person may have extended every gesture of um, kindness and acceptance possible, but you still have this basic instinct to flee, just deep down in your gut. Do you ever find yourself making exit plans from a relationship? What, What do I mean by exit plans? Uh, By exit plans, you know, I I mean, you you start... Maybe you don't even think of it consciously, but you're sort of scheming. Like, how do I get out of this? I know rejection is coming, so how do I get myself out of this eventually? How do I do this gracefully? You know, how do I just kind of pull myself away? Because I know rejection is, is coming. Another question for you. do you ever feel the need to daydream about plan B? And what I mean by that is, you know, plan A is your current close relationships. But because you're pretty sure they're going to reject you, do you ever daydream about who are you going to fall back on? How, how, What's your plan B in relationships? You know so-and-so is going to reject you. So how do you sneak out of it and who are you going to fall back on? You ever see yourself doing that or find yourself doing that? Um, do you ever need feel the need to fight because you're pretty sure others don't have your best interests at heart. They don't have your best interest at mind. And I mean by fight, you know, you sometimes you even maybe start fights with close friends or a spouse or whatever because you're you you um, you're pretty sure they're going to reject you. You know, you know they don't have your best interest in mind so you, you kind of get into fighting position even when maybe there is no cause to get into fighting position. There's no reason for it. Um, so, a few, few other questions to ask yourself. Do you ever feel the need to Preemptively reject others. And what, what do I mean? Re- preemptive. You know, we've heard that word a lot the last five years. You know, we had a preemptive strike in Iraq. Preemptive. You know, means you you strike before the other strikes. All right. So you're, you're pretty sure you're going to get rejected. So you quick, you you uh, you be the first one to reject, and then you feel safer that way. All right. Do you ever preemptively reject others? Um, do you ever have? This is this is pretty important now. Do you ever have? an automatic suspicion of those in power. And I mean, it could be a boss, it could be a politician, uh, it, you know, it could be a, a parent, it could be... Now, there are obviously legitimate reasons to be suspicious of some powerful people. History is full of powerful people who've abused less powerful people. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you have an automatic suspicion... Even when there's no cause or very little cause to be suspicious, do you have like that automatic gut, visceral suspicion to be sus- to, to to be careful, to be wary of those in in power? Um, you know that that uh, that part of you that says, um, let, let's let's say your supervisor says, well, you know, this last year was really good. I, you know, it might be this one little area you could work on a little bit. But what you hear is your angry dad saying, You jerk, I can't believe you did it that way. That was stupid. Why'd you do it? That way. That's what you hear when your, your supervisor just very politely and respectfully says, Oh, it might be this little area you could adjust in. All right? You see the little the distortion that happens with this orphan spirit. Do you ever feel the need to respond out of all proportion to the unintentional snubs? of other people. Now, all of us have been snubbed. You know, somebody forgets your birthday, um, somebody discounts your opinion, somebody looks at their watch when they're supposed to be listening intently at you, somebody, oh, you know, it happens daily to all of us. Um, do, you, do you ever have, though, um, an emotional response that's out of proportion? You know, usually we can tell an unintentional snub. Like, our rational brain can say, yeah, that was actually unintentional. But, do you ever have like an emotional um, response where you feel the same pain of being rejected you would feel with a real snub, an intentional snub, a real rejection, when you get an unintentional rejection, okay? Now, possibly most telling of all, ask yourself this, do you ever feel that disagreements, simple disagreements, reasonable corrections or even constructive criticisms of others are actually masks for disrespect, dismissal, or rejection. Okay? In a good, healthy community, there is supposed to be disagreements, mutual corrections, mutual constructive criticism. I don't mean destructive criticism like, I don't like your hair today, it's just ugly. I mean, constructive criticisms... Where, with the other's best interest in mind, you're saying, I think this is an area where you could improve. That's supposed to happen in a real community. If it doesn't happen in a real community, that's an unhealthy community, okay? That's supposed to happen, but when you hear these things, when, when you find yourself in the middle of a, of a you know, reasonable, simple disagreement, correction, constructive criticism, do you, do you have the same feelings of being rejected you would have with a, with a real rejection, When this happens, do you you find that behind those reasonable, um, uh, constructive criticisms are actually it's actually a a, it's a mask to reject you, and make you put you down? Is that is that do you ever feel that? Okay, and you know if 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 any of these are are true about you, if, if if it's quite possible that you are subject to some degree or another to this this orphan spirit. And, and you know what? If, if that's true, you might find that no matter what other people do for you, you're going to see it through the lens of rejection. People might reach out to you and you'll take it as sort of tokenistic or patronizing or, yeah, I bet they, they thought of that beforehand just to, you know, make me feel good. Or, but then if people, people realize maybe you're insecure so they, they kind of have hands off with you and but your reaction is, they don't care about me. They're not reaching out to me. All right. Do you, you see what I'm saying? This orphan spirit makes it so that nobody can win with you. Nobody gets to win with you. They're, you're rejected and rejectable no matter what. That's, that's the orphan spirit. Um, and it's the exact opposite of what the Lord has in store for his, his children. Um, you know, and, and just imagine how this impacts a community. Imagine... Um, what what happens in a community if people are secretly thinking and feeling, maybe not saying with their mouths, but secretly feeling, I don't belong here. I'm not wanted here. My contribution is underappreciated here. People wouldn't miss me if I disappeared today. I, I don't feel valued here. I don't feel safe in relationships here, okay? Now, you know that this is the orphan spirit if you're feeling and thinking these things, and, but there's not very much evidence of this actually happening, or very little evidence, all right? Sometimes there's no evidence, yet people are thinking and feeling this anyway. That's the orphan spirit right there. Um, some more ways that could undermine a community. If you feel, I can't really be myself here. Uh, if others at, at Bethel Christian Fellowship saw the real me, they would reject me. If they saw the real me, they would reject me. The old-timers at Bethel, they, they don't accept me. I'm new, I'm weird, I'm different, I'm, I'm too strange, they think I'm kind of bizarre. I can feel, I just know it. They don't, they don't accept me. The newcomers at Bethel Christian Fellowship don't accept me, or or the good things God has done here in the past. They dismiss it. They they reject it. They don't realize how God's worked and and, and they, they're discounting me uh, as, as someone who's been here for a long time. I mean, could you have real, authentic community if that's what people are thinking and feeling under the surface? I mean, imagine, that's just, that's gonna rip everything down. It's gonna rip it down to shreds. And uh, yeah. And, and, and you know, what what I find amazing about this is sometimes people feel this way even when there's no real evidence that this is actually the case. Wouldn't Satan be so well served to just sneak in that little 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 whisper here and there to encourage you to feel this way? Right. Um, and, you know, I'm sad to say this, but I, I don't think the orphan spirit just afflicts other Christian communities. In, in fact, I would say... That's sort of been a particular afflicting spirit at Bethel Christian Fellowship in particular. We've made a stand that we're going to be a house of all prayer for all nations, meaning we we are going to live in and demonstrate and, and mature in hospitality, welcoming one another. Well, what better way to undermine that than to make people feel like there's no actual hospitality here? Um... And you know, I've even—I'll uh, be honest—I can—I can say this because I'm—I'm just a volunteer, and you can't fire me. Um, and that—that that is, uh, uh, after observing Bethel Christian Fellowship for my 16 years here, I've noticed that when um, conflicts arise, when um, you know, dissensions occur, which is all just normal—it's all part of body life, all part of community—that the the kind of response I hear most frequently is this: "Well." this intangible feeling of i just i just don't really feel like i i belong here like somebody will will disagree with you and and, and you but what you walk away with is i just don't I, I don't know i don't really i feel kind of unappreciated here this feeling that creeps in even if that's not what's actually happened um you know the the satan will will come in and kind of whisper you know he, when someone, even when someone extends, says something nice to you, something loving and encouraging, saying, you know, like, he didn't really mean that. Um, he's being insincere. Um, just wait till they get to know the real you. Then it's coming. Uh, don't trust a word they say. He's just playing nice. You, you'll be rejected sooner or later. All right, those little whispers come in. Um, and you know what? If, the, if that's the case, there's nothing other people can do for you to break through that. No matter how much they pour out for you and love you and demonstrate, no matter how many gestures of love are demonstrated, you're going to take it as some kind of hidden rejection, one way or another. And you know, um, demonic spirits really, uh, this is how they work. They'll they'll take a lie, and then, demons don't really have any Real power. So what they do is they'll they'll just kind of make that lie look a little more attractive. They'll make it. They'll add a little shine to it, a little, you know, um, gloss it a little bit, and and the, the lie will just look a little more attractive uh, to you and a little more believable. So, some of you might be wondering, what is the spirit of adoption? Um. I would say the simplest way to define this is the certainty that you are accepted. The certainty. The certainty that you are accepted. It's an unshakable feeling that I belong, um, I am included, I am known, I'm wanted, I am cherished, I am treasured. It's that certainty, that sense of security that comes from knowing I am a part of this family. I, I am, and that can't get taken away. It can't be changed. It can't be diminished. Uh, not even a, a tiny bit. Not even a little bit. And it's the exact opposite of the orphan spirit in which there's that, that gnawing suspicion you don't really belong. Uh, and, and you know this, this phrase, adoption. In a lot of ways, this is, this is probably the most appropriate Word, if you think about it, sounds a little weird to think of this way, but if you think about it, the adopted child, in some senses, can be even more secure in his parents' love than a biological child, simply because, you know, a few of you I know who've done adoption, there's so much more forethought and planning and money to be spent uh, in, in uh, having a legal adoption. And, uh, and obviously, there's all this preparation for biological children, too. But I'm, I'm just saying, in, in some ways, you know, being adopted, that and the word adopted, it, it's, it's such a powerful word uh, that describes just how secure you can feel as a child of God. You weren't just an accident. You weren't an afterthought. Um, God, God thought it up to adopt you way ahead of time. This scripture, just let me show you where this comes from in scripture, um, Paul uses this phrase. It's one of his favorite phrases. He uses it all the time Romans his letter to the Romans. Did you you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear But you received the spirit of sonship literally spirit of adoption and by him We cry Abba father uh, Paul uses it in his letter to Galatians uh, God sent his son that we might receive the full rights and literally in Greek it's the word adoption, that we might see the, receive the full rights as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. <coughs> um, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, God has made you also an heir. And Paul uses it again in, in Ephesians. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, you just just look at these scriptures for a moment, okay? The Romans and Galatians passage, they highlight that the spirit of adoption is the exact opposite of the spirit of fear. It's the exact opposite of that sense of being enslaved, all right? The orphan spirit and the spirit of enslavement. Those are really kind of two words for the same, the same thing. Um, and the Romans and Galatians passage show that, you know, at its core, the spirit of adoption is a sense of confidence before God in which you have true intimacy with the Father God. You know, when Paul uses this phrase, Abba, it's that, that old phrase um, in Aramaic for daddy you know, he, was a, he grew up a really good Jew, a really good Pharisee of, of all people. Good Pharisees, they're not going to call God Daddy. You know, that's ridiculous. You don't, you, nobody gets to be that close to Daddy. to, to, to father. I mean, They might use the word Father to mean, you know, like the creator, the source of everything. But they wouldn't use Daddy. But here, once Paul has been filled with the spirit of adoption, he uses that phrase. You actually get to go before God with that intimacy and that confidence, and you get to call him Daddy. Um, and, and it anticipates um, an inheritance from God. And a little later, I didn't have it up here, but in verse 17 of this passage of Romans, uh, Paul says, and if you're children, you are heirs also. Just automatically. Na- nowadays, uh, a parent of, doesn't like his kids, he can write his kid out of the will. You know, they, they didn't, that's not how it used to work in the ancient world. If you're a child, you're getting the inheritance. All right? So if you're a child, you are getting the inheritance. All right. The Ephesians passage, that highlights that it was God who thought up our adoption. God thought it up. He planned it. He planned it way in advance, like way, way in advance. And look, look at what it says in, in Ephesians. It says it was in accordance with God's pleasure and his will. Yeah. Well, what that means is yeah. he wanted right. to adopt you. Yeah. It wasn't like, well, look, someone left this on my doorstep. What am I going to do with it now? You know? He wanted to adopt you. More than that, <clears throat> he likes adopting you. More than that, he enjoys adopting you. Way back before he even started, the world I was like, oh, I can't wait till so-and-so comes, in my fam- comes into my family. I can't wait till they get included, till I get to reach out into their darkness and pluck them up and, and bring them close to me and, and get to be my child. God was thinking that. Like, way, way long ago. And he did, it says it's in accordance with his will. He determined to do it. It wasn't an accident. wasn't an, uh, an afterthought or an oversight. And you know, with this um, spirit of adoption, there comes a certainty, a certainty of God's goodness as your daddy. With it comes a certainty of your security as his child. And and with it um, comes a very wide, broad mindset of confidence. A very broad mindset of confidence. So confident that you can even pour out to other people. You can even sacrifice things to minister to other people. You can even love other people with this sense of confidence. And, And nobody can take that sense of confidence away. Nobody gets to steal it. Um, It doesn't have to be diminished. Even if other people reject you, which has already happened to almost everybody in the room, and will happen. Sorry to say, it's going to happen. More people will reject you. But, the fact is, if you are secure as God's child, the rejection can happen, and you can stay rock-solidly Secure, Because this is the thing, the spirit of adoption doesn't depend on other people, feeling accepted by other people. That's not, you know, a lot of us, the reason we have this orphan spirit is because we have, we have, how do I say this? We have um, sort of assumed that other people, that, that our sense of security is supposed to come from other people loving us or feeling loved by other people. That's not where it's supposed to come from. It comes from knowing that God has accepted us. Right. All right? And I've got to tell you, just from, I, I told you a little while ago, I had this ongoing sense of inse- insecurity and, and rejection from my relationship with my, my brother. Well, God, God showed me just kind of recently, and it's still really raw, he, he showed me that the, the feelings of rejection I had from him came from the fact that I had been worshiping the idol of his approval. I'd been worshiping that idol of my brother's approval. And so when God finally came in and showed me that, my response had to be, God, I'm sorry for worshiping the idol. And God said to me, Andrew, and he said it so lovingly and tenderly, he said, Andrew, this is what comes of worshiping idols. This is what comes of worshiping idols. But opposite of that is the spirit of adoption. And, you know, why, why do we as a whole church need to make this shift. Some of you might be like, haven't we had enough shifts? I'm tired of shifts. The spirit of adoption, in in Paul, the way Paul uses it, it's it's just another word for the Holy Spirit. It's another word for the Holy, another phrase to call the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. And so it's, the spirit of adoption, it's supposed to be the, one of the defining marks of being a Christian. That, it's supposed to be one of the defining marks of being a Christian. And you know, in this year of outpouring, if we don't get this spirit of adoption thing, we're not going to pour out to anybody. You see, if, if you have that gnawing sense of insecurity, when it comes time to minister to other people, when it comes time to be generous, when it comes time to, to give of your time to, you know, all the hundreds and hundreds of ways we minister, when it comes time to do that and you, and you realize that's going to involve some self-sacrifice, what you see in the self-sacrifice is, I'm going to get robbed. I'm going to get things are going to get taken from me, important things are going to get stolen from me if I pour out like this. But if you are walking in the spirit of adoption, that self-sacrifice, you know what? Daddy's got a lot more of that where it came from. He's got infinitely big pockets, and when you pour out to somebody else, you say, Daddy, I need some more. And guess what? Daddy goes, Woo-boom! and you get even more than you thought. Okay? That's that's who our daddy is. So we need to make this shift. We need to make it, but how? How are we going to make this shift? And I would suggest to you, once again, I'm just a volunteer, so you can't fire me. I would make the suggestion that the problem, the problem is that you don't believe that God is good. That's... That's the source, and some of you—I understand why, because some of you have had parents that haven't been good, or no, none of us have had perfect parents, obviously. And 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 that's sort of our first picture we ever get of, of God is, is our parents. So it's understandable that that's hard for you to believe that God is is good, um, and so therefore you don't fundamentally see yourself as an adopted child. You you um, you don't fully accept it. You don't let that truth saturate the core of your being. Um, but, but this is the gateway into entering into the spirit of adoption is believing that God is good. The solution to this problem is the solution to help yourself believe is fix your eyes on the character of God. Fix your eyes on the character of God. Now just like a, a real orphan, a physical orphan his fears of rejection can be put to rest over time by getting to know the good character of his adoptive parents. In the same way, your fears of rejection, your orphan spirit, that can be put to rest by knowing God's infinitely good character. That that's knowing his infinitely good character. That's what's going to that's what's going to put to rest those fears of rejection. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you do that? Number one, check the adoption papers. Check the adoption papers. I, I, I don't know, I've never heard of an orphan does this, but if an orphan were to, um, you know, kind of be, feel insecure, am I, you know, adopted, might go to his, his adoptive daddy and say, Daddy, what, am I really adopted? His daddy might say, look, right there, it says it, you're adopted. Guess what? That's what the Bible is to us. It is your adoption papers. It says who you are in Christ. It says how infinitely good our adoptive daddy is. That is what... That, that, that's, those are the adoption papers. Go back and check the adoption papers again. And guess what? What the adoption papers say about you is more true. It's more, some of you don't even believe this. It's more true than what you have believed about yourself. What your parents, physical parents have told you, more true than what the culture tells you, more true than even your own experience of yourself tells you. The adoptive papers are more true. They are the truth. Right. Okay? And and secondly, as you're doing that, rivet your thoughts and your imagination to the word of truth. Rivet. Okay, rivet. What is uh, somebody just try to explain to someone who actually like knows engineering? Just try to explain this to me, because I, I got it confused. Um, you know, when, when you when you attach two things, normally we'll like use a little screw. Well, I guess a rivet is like ten times stronger than a screw. A rivet, you, uh, um, it's. I I can't pretend to help you understand this. <laughs> anyway, it is really strong. <laughs> a rivet is really really strong. Okay. And you need to rivet your thoughts, your imagination to the truth about God's character. Listen to what listen no no stop just stop listening to what your your brain is right now saying, Well, God's really kinda like my you well, like when my dad didn't like didn't give me a pony for Christmas. You know, like no, don't no, just stop listening to that for just a second. This, listen to this. This is what this is what the the adoptions adoption paper says about your heavenly father. Exodus thirty-four. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate excuse me, and gracious, slow to anger abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin that's, who, that's what the adoptions pa- adoption papers say about your good daddy, that's who he is he's not, he's not the, the daddy who got angry at you, cause you instantly because you tore your pants he's not the, the daddy who, who uh, you know, got drunk and didn't, didn't come home for a whole week that's not who he is, this is the daddy this is who our daddy is Consider, sorry, <clears throat> consider what the scriptures have to say specifically about the goodness of God the Father. Matthew 7. How much more does your heavenly Father know how to give you good gifts? The context of this is Jesus is telling the people, you fathers, you're evil, but you know how to give good gifts. This is an infinitely good Father, and He knows how to give good gifts. Luke 12. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. He didn't give it to you begrudgingly. He's not like, yeah, I guess, guess i got to do it. I guess it's time. He chose gladly, happily. God's happy. Did you know that? God is happy to give you the kingdom. Yeah. This is who your daddy is. God who gives to all men generously. And guess how he gives? He gives without finding fault. We have a lot. All of us, every single one in this room, have a lot to find fault with. Yeah. That's, but God doesn't give right. with our faults in mind. Right. That's who our daddy is. <laughs> um, uh, consider for a minute what Scripture has to say about his commitment to your welfare. Okay? Hebrews 6 says, An oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Okay? The the orphan spirit, that is that first line in there. The orphan spirit is in you disputing, arguing, am I really fully accepted? Is this really who I am? Okay? God, with his oath, puts an end to that disputing. You've got to come into agreement with the truth that's more real than your own feelings and thoughts. You've got to come into agreement with that truth and let him put an end to the disputing in your soul about whether or not you have been fully and truly accepted. Um, Very briefly, Tiffany, where's Tiffany? Tiffany, Tiffany, could you come on up? Did you get my email last night? Oh, All right, Tiffany's just going to spend a very short, just a very, she has a very short testimony um, uh, that, uh let's see, let me grab, um, about, about uh, yeah, I'll just let Tiffany explain. And, and then, um, as T- Tiffany, actually, why don't you come right up here, and we're going to have uh, an altar call. I've never done this, so just, just, um. As she's, she's talking, feel free to just quietly come up, and, and we're going to pray, and if the elders could come up, and the elders as fathers of the house are going to pray for that adoption spirit um, for people, and, and, and so anyway, Tiffany, you go ahead. People, quietly start moving. I guess worship team come up. Is that how that happens? Yes. Tiffany.
1: Because this message really is my testimony. Um. Those of you that know me, know that I came to the Lord because of the understanding of the relationship that I had with the Father, Um, because I was a part of one of those um, families that was riddled with divorce and dissension, and um, when I was three, my biological father and mother divorced, and so I never knew him, never got to know him, Um, actually found out uh, this past Christmas he died. Um But God used it in my life. Um, so, and I didn't start to think about it until I was a teenager and um, really started getting the feelings of rejection and abandonment and wondering why would my real father not want to know me? What's wrong with me? You know, all those questions that come up. And then um, the father that I grew up with, um, unfortunately, could not love um, my mother or me. Um, Probably because he was hurting himself. Um, So this time I got the idea in my head, well, if I'm good enough, if I do good things, maybe he'll love me then. Um, So I got into the uh, performance approval type of thing where, you know, if I do something, maybe he'll love me. And um, in college, God decided to give me the revelation that I have a spiritual father and um, so from that moment on it started he started to draw me to himself and I eventually accepted Christ but um, through all that he brought me here and he started to show me how much I was wounded by this and he started to heal me so I'm actually here to testify to his faithfulness in, in healing um, deep deep wounds um, and and but the passing of my father, he actually gave me a picture. Um, okay, so, I don't know. Picture this with me. I'm a baby. I'm three. My father has left. And he picks me up and he says, you are mine. You are mine. <laughs> so, God chose me out of, I don't know, mostly a family of non-believers and said, you're mine. I chose you. You're my daughter. You're the daughter of the King. Um, And I can say today that I'm, you know, I still struggle with this daily, on a daily basis, but um, he has healed me from my past, and he's been faithful to do that. He's been faithful to provide, because he he is the only one that I can look to for that type of relationship. So I just really wanted to testify to his faithfulness today.
0: Thank you. So, if uh, elders could come up, Uh, we're going to be praying and other prayer people, and anyone who wants prayer around this or anything related or not related, come, come.
2: Yeah, let's stand together if we could, and uh, we are going to anoint with oil and the elders. Warren will be on this side, Lidovich's coming in in just a moment, he's back teaching. Just think we need to mark um, as elders in the house, have the fathers here, um, speak that word. And so, uh, prayer people, you can come up in a, in a bit after, but I just want to, if you just want to come and receive that anointing, I just sense that we need to do that as so elders this morning. So just start to come right now. I'll give a benediction in just a few moments, but we just need to respond here. So if you need, come, step, step out now. Come on.
3: Who am I That the Lord of all the earth Who care to know my name Who care to feel my hurt Who am I That the bright and morning star Who choose to light the way Because of, of who, who I am, but because, because of what you've are. done, not because of what I've done. Oh, but because of who you are, I am. I will quickly oh, fade in. In. here today and come tomorrow. tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. Still you hear me when I'm calling. Lord, you catch me when I'm falling. You told me who I am. I am yours. I am your Lord That the Lord of all the earth Who care to know my name Who care to feel my hurt Who am I That the bright and morning star who we'll choose to light the way Oh, my ever-wandering heart Not because of who I am But because of what you've done Not because of what I am But because of who I am I am a flower fading, today and gone tomorrow, a weather toss in the ocean, a paper in the wind, still you hear me when I'm calling, Lord you catch me when I'm calling, you I am. I am your. sing it. We are yours. Come on. We are yours. Oh God, we are yours. Oh Lord, we are yours. We are yours. We are yours. yours.
2: Open your hands.
3: Whom shall I fear? Whom yeah. shall, shall I fear? Yeah. I fear? Ooh, yeah. shall I, I am yours.
2: To receive a benediction. We're going to keep this altar open for as long as we need, so don't feel like you have to rush at all. You're here at the altar, if you want to come. Just gonna give a benediction for those of you that do need to be released. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the truth of your word today. Lord, thank you for a well-placed rock into the forehead of one of the giants, Lord. Lord, we pray that You would release that spirit of adoption among Your people here in this house. And that You will mark us, Lord, with that spirit. Lord Jesus, where the enemy has come and contended against that with this orphan spirit, Lord, we ask for You to come and send that spirit to contend with that orphan spirit, O Lord, and that You would release Your life and truth in and through and among us, O Lord, in fullness, O God. So I thank You, Lord, For your children gathered here this morning thank you for all that will receive this word in various ways in days to come lord jesus may it find good soil and take root and may it grow up and bear good fruit lord for the glory of your name and now i pray that the love of god the father and the mercy and grace of jesus christ the son And the fellowship and the encouragement and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit will be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house. Sent to make disciples of all nations. Sent to declare the good news that you're not alone. That you belong. That there is a place for you in Daddy's house. Go with that good news, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.